So welcome back to another of our latest installments of the Accelerating Careers in Real Estate podcast. Now, before we get into the meat of that conversation, I had something really, really exciting I wanted to share with you. The very next episode is going to be our 80th episode. And in that episode, I wanted to introduce you to the newest council who are going to be advising me on how to improve and extend our reach as a podcast. Now, the exciting bit is I've got two seats left on that advisory council that I wanted people who are currently tuning in to the podcast to come and join me on that journey. Now, what's in store is sitting down with me once a quarter to talk about how we're traveling towards our strategic goal. And our number one strategic goal is taking this podcast to be the most listened to podcast in real estate careers globally. But beyond that, we want to be more educational, more inspirational, more interactive. We want to do more Q&A sessions with our guests. We want to take the show to more live events. And I need your guys' help. But to be clear, you don't need to be a seasoned operator within real estate already to be able to help me do this. I want to hear from apprentices, graduates, recently qualified members of the industry, people who've maybe got a fresh perspective on what's happening in our industry right now and can be able to share that insight with me and our audience to make this a better podcast. So if you're listening to this and this sounds exciting, if you're excited about the possibility of spending more time with our guests and being able to grow your own personal network, then I encourage you, please send me a message using the contact details in the show notes and I'll be delighted to talk to you more about the opportunity. Accelerating Careers in Real Estate with Nick Carman. Brought to you by McDonald & Company. So welcome back to the Accelerating Careers in Real Estate podcast. I'm your host, Nick Carman, And this evening, I'm sat with Sasha Lewin, Chief Executive of WRE, a London-based commercial developer and retrofit enthusiast. Now, with over 20 years of commercial real estate experience, Sasha founded WRE in 2013 with a clear focus on value-added investment opportunities. Prior to establishing this business, Sasha was a partner at Stenham Property, a real estate PE fund where he managed value-added strategies with a volume in excess of £1.5 billion across Germany, USA, Switzerland and the UK. So, Sasha, thank you very much for joining me. Thank you for having me. So, first question. Tell us about sort of how we're going to kick off. Tell us how chapter one begins. Uh, for me, uh, working life really began with my father. He used to take myself and my brothers to the office on a weekend um, when it was his time to take care of the children. And he was a workaholic. So he snuck us out of the house. I told my mother, we're going to the park. And then he went off to the office and we could have the run of the office. Um <laughs> which was really, really exciting. Um, very different spaces, of course, um, in those days. Big private offices, long corridors, um, heavy wooden doors. Um, but we used to hang around there in the afternoon and, um, and play. But I think that's where I kind of got the feeling I want to work in an office from a very early age. Really exciting stuff. So... Tell us then how, how those, sort of those early days then uh, established themselves. Well, my, my father, he was a, a real estate developer. So there's a trend, I guess, already evolving very quickly in our conversation. And um, it seemed an, an exciting place. But as I made my way through school, I 
went to university here in London, um, City University. I studied economics. At school, I wasn't the most academic. And at university, in the early first couple of years, um, academia had certainly taken a back seat as well. But I, towards the end of the degree, probably not uncommon to many, I buckled down and um, graduated with um, a half-decent um, degree. And now felt um, I needed to sort of sharpen my my credentials a little bit, which meant I continued on for a further year to do a postgraduate degree, which um, was in a sort of slight skewed topic um, in communications. Um, it was a course that was offered at the university. It seemed very interesting, and I signed up for it. So I completed four years of studies, and then went out into the world to try and find my first job. Actually, when, when was this, Sasha? What year are we in? We are in, uh, in 1993 that I graduated with my postgraduate degree. Okay. And so what's, what's in store for you in these early, early years? A lot. All my friends were going into banking. Um, everybody that I grew up with and I had been studying for most of my academic career doing my economics degree um, it was banking it was finance that was the industry that offered uh, I guess most excitement and um, money at the time and I I think they go hand in hand don't they that time definitely it, it, it was the heydays of the banking world um, but having had this one year doing a communication studying communications I kind of wanted to do something a little bit different. And I stumbled across a business called International Presentations, which was a startup at the time that focused on the marketing of companies to the international capital markets, predominantly companies going through an IPO process or or any significant capital raising in international capital markets. And that to me seemed extremely exciting. There's a lot of travel involved um, and it combined both areas of interest to me, which was the economics banking side that I had um, studied and originally always felt I would end up working in, but with a communications angle. So I joined international presentations pretty much straight out of university back in 93 and spent the next seven years planning and consulting on communication strategies part that were part of um, financial roadshows, um, essentially. And so that was the start of my career. And um, it was a, an incredible period to be in this field. Um, financial roadshows were quite new. IPOs were quite new as a way of raising money. And um, we were right at the heart of it um, with our business. We worked on seven to 10 IPOs a year. So a huge amount of turnover because we only were brought in in the final stages of the process. So for about three, four months per project. And as a business, we had a number of teams. So I was involved in, in some really exciting and uh, I guess at the time groundbreaking um, transactions and loved it for the next sort of five, six years, certainly. And after some point, 
everything starts to dull a little bit. The travel gets um, much less exciting. And um, and the progress, the personal sort of career progression also becomes more difficult to see. Well, now, I mean, so the audience now so will be very, very familiar with me sort of interjecting now because it certainly feels like now, Sasha, that you've, you know, You've gone through this acceleration phase. You have absorbed as much as you can and, and been learning at a much higher rate than you appear to be at this at this stage, whereby you're putting it into practice. And it suddenly starts to feel a bit a little bit more sort of monotonous um, because you haven't got the same height as the as the learning. So this is now we're going on to you know the the part that I think is the most interesting and the most valuable for the guys listening is what did you do about it? Uh, I challenged myself um, after some time I took a step back and I asked where is this going is this what I want to do for the next five years for the next 10 years do I see a career for life in in this industry for me and the answer was very clearly no and so I took a step back and looked around and said what do I want to do what does excite me and really, it was a choice for me to either move back into banking or try and take a step sideways into banking, not um, I wasn't doing it before, which by now was actually very difficult. Um, I'd spent the sort of last six years um, in, a, in a niche world and never got the training that goes across the various areas of investment banking or continue on in communications, which was the obvious route for me to go, which a lot of the colleagues I'd worked for ended up working for big PR agencies. The business that I was part of had been acquired by WPP in the meantime. Um, so there was a natural suite of companies that I had contacts with and, um, and that were interested in some of the skill sets that I brought. But I felt that I, done my stint in communications and this wasn't the space that I saw myself going forward in. And I went back to speak to a lot of people about what they do, what is out there. And here, to some degree fortuitously maybe, um, but I ended up talking to an an ex-colleague of my father who was involved in real estate and um, he offered he offered me a position on the banking finance side of his real estate business which was based out of new york and that was an incredibly exciting opportunity but also meant going back to the drawing board i had to go back to study that was part of the agreement that we made and um, and really start in a completely new industry. So in the year 2000, I moved out to New York. I signed up to do a postgraduate real estate diploma at Stern School, part of NYU University, which was a fantastic um, experience. Really, really enjoyed that. And then lived for the next three years in New York and um, and learned um, from ground zero as far as I was concerned a certain 
aspect of the real estate industry. The business was an investment business. It was um, investing in um, shopping centers across the East Coast of the United States, predominantly in Florida. It was using German funding. Um, so my language skills and my background were perfectly set up for that, um, but my experience wasn't. And I was thrown in at the deep end. Um, I had a lot of support from the team. Most of the team was still based out of Germany. There was a small office that had been established in New York. and um, But my colleagues in both Germany and the US took me under their wing and um, showed me the ropes. And quickly, on a very steep learning curve, I um, understood what is required and what is needed and really enjoyed my time for the next three years. Okay, Sasha. So given then this career pivot in not only sort of the sector, we're talking geographies, the benefit now of uh, the postgraduate, I want to ask, what is it you're learning at this stage of your career? This was probably the most uh, exciting stage from a learning perspective. Uh, it was a new industry. It was a new country. I was taking on the academic side at, at uh, NYU alongside easing myself into the role and trying to make sense of, of it all was really, really exciting, but um, also quite challenging. And it was balancing the, re the real world important elements with what I was learning at um, on the academic side at university and um, understanding what really are, where really are the important elements? What do people care about that I'm reporting to that are involved in this business? And um, I, there were multifaceted um, examples, um, but we had bad partners in some of our investments dotted across um, the states. Um, there were decisions that were made and contractual um, arrangements put in place that didn't work out. And every day I learned something new. There were positives as well that I learned, not just difficulties that we had to step through, but I'm sure that many others have um, probably said in the past that it's usually the difficult experiences that are the biggest learning curves. And here we, we had many. We had a, a, a lot of ex difficult times, but also some, some really, really um, successful projects. Um, the markets were booming, money was flowing across the pond at an unprecedented rate. And, um, and you know, again, I was lucky to be involved in an industry that was, was growing. So I think it was a successful few years uh, for the business. And um, I really enjoyed the experience. Um, but it didn't last very long. In the following September 11th, um, beginning of 2002, the business decided to stop focusing on the US, I guess political uncertainty and, and other risk factors that were assessed now. And that for me was 
also a time where I had to make another major decision, and that was, do I stay in the U.S.? I loved my life in New York, or do I return? And ultimately, probably more for personal reasons than anything else, um, I decided to return to the U.K. together with my now wife, got married while I lived in the U.S., and came back to the U.K., And having had the taste of the real estate world, I knew that this is the space I wanted to remain um, active in, but also realized very quickly when I landed back in London that the industry here is completely different to the US. My experience out there, while I felt was very valuable, wasn't um, the traditional route into the real estate business in the UK. And so I needed to figure out how to get into this industry. And that, again, very similar to the last time I left my job from international presentations, um, meant speaking to a lot of people, getting a lot of advice. I now felt a little bit too old to go back to university again to retrain. Wasn't interested in doing that. And so toyed with looking back into the finance world, into communications, but ultimately got introduced to um, a business called Landmark Securities, which was a reasonably small niche property developer based in London, developing projects across the UK, hotels, office buildings, um, mainly commercial developments. And I brought one very valuable aspect, and that was the relationship I had with German lenders who were starting to look increasingly at the UK and having worked with them on US projects in the past. And I was able to introduce German funding into projects for this developer. And through that role, I guess I got a job and a seat at the table um, of this business and really had a chance now to involve myself and immerse myself in the UK real estate industry, build relationships, understand the idiosyncrasies of our market here, and start my career. And Landmark Securities was backed by a number of private equity businesses on the equity side. My role was to bring in debt. And one of the backers was a business called Stenham Property. And Stenham Property was a small, young real estate private equity business, um, part of a group that had other alternative investment products as well. They had fund of fund business, they had a trust business as well at the time. And they backed us on a number of projects. And after a couple of years working at Landmark, the business was approached by Stenham and said, look, why don't you join us? We need the skill set that you have here in the UK. By that point, Stenham had started investing in Germany. And again, through relationships I had originally with banks, I was able to build quite quickly relationships with German landowners and helped Stenham identify and transact on a number of um, smaller deals in Germany, which was a market that they were looking to grow into. And essentially, Stenham bought out Landmark and um, myself, um, the founder of Landmark and a small team joined Stenham and became uh, directors of that business. 
And um, from there on, I now worked in private equity real estate um, at a business that had, I think it was probably about 300 million AUM at the time when we joined and um, then very quickly grew. Again, my timing probably was pretty spot on. We joined, I think it was 2004, maybe 2005 by the time we had our feet under the table. So just in this period when everybody was really ramping up on the real estate side, sort of leading into the, the global financial crisis, which you know came a couple of years later, 2007 and 2008, of course, when it all really collapsed. But um, the next three years were mind-bogglingly exciting. You know, you asked me about my learning experience. My learning experience here was, I think, e easily at a par with when I first moved into real estate and had moved to New York and um, easily at a par when I took my first job at uh, in financial communications. Everything was different. Um, at, this was a much bigger business. There were a few hundred people working there at Stenham at the time. This was a business that was focused on a completely different client base, at different um, reporting requirements, and um, was a business that was growing exponentially quickly. Um, over the next two years, we increased our AUM to nearly 3 billion um, from 300 million. So an enormous amount of transactions um, were happening. I think we were at a time probably buying a building a week on average. Sometimes we bought packages, so there's maybe not that many transactions, but um, it felt like um, a transaction a week. And um, raising money um, for the next fund, um, the next product. So a very, very, very busy time, probably so quick, we didn't fully see what was happening. I guess nobody did because 2007 came and took many people by surprise. So I didn't really have time to get kind of complacent or bored. I think I was learning all the way through it. And when the world changed and the financial crisis bit, the banks closed their doors, foreclosures were happening. Again, you know, in retrospect, a, a, a very difficult time for the business, a very difficult time for, of course, many people, um, but from a learning experience, an invaluable time. Just, I had not experienced a downturn of that nature. In the previous roles, we've had cyclical movements where suddenly we didn't get as much work when we were in, in the communications business. We had challenges in the portfolio in Florida that I mentioned before, but nothing like this before where from one day to the next, everyone was flying high and suddenly we were all plummeting down to earth and having to understand what is happening, how to deal with it how to deal with um, investors. Um, Stenham had a lot of private investors. Um, so, you know, I'm quite an emotional investor base and that was difficult um, to navigate. 
but there was very little choice but then to buckle down and to try and rescue and 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 work ourselves through the next few years and um i think i was lucky that the leadership at stenem my colleagues were incredibly determined very loyal to the business and everybody did i think what needed to be done our investor base was emotional but also supportive and um we managed to get through the financial crisis um reasonably well and um the experience of doing that was um humbling and but also really really valuable at curiosity what's what's the the biggest lesson you learned during that time you know lots of technical lessons i learned um <laughs> particularly that things that go up quick probably come down quick i think it was an understanding of 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 risk assessment it was a kind of view that we as a business had and i'm not suggesting this is the same for every business but there were red lines that um one can't cross and I'm not talking about legal red lines those of course one shouldn't cross at all but emotional sort of red lines with investors and the most important part was communication was key i understood that as long as people feel they are they're being told what is going on they're being uh, treated with respect of course but as long as the communication lines are clear are transparent are upfront proactive rather than reactive you call people up you tell them what is going on that carries a huge amount of um of weight and and creates trust and goodwill and ultimately you know investment work is based on there's a lot of trust is really really important even for institutional investors as long as they feel you are on top of what you're doing even if the situation is terrible or not what you had wished for you are taking the steps to remedy it you've identified the problem that became really important after we had worked ourselves through the fallout from the financial crisis the business stabilized again but the world had changed possibly for the better but the business was now managing a, a smaller reduced tidied up portfolio it was doing as before i think i said we were doing a transaction a week and we were now doing maybe a transaction every 6 months it was starting to become a lot less exciting for me and um i got itchy feet and felt that something new needed to happen there were reasons around the role but there were also reasons about an ambition to build my own business which was something i'd harbored probably all my life and so in 2012 13 i left stenem to set up w real estate and w real estate sort of at the at that point what i really wanted to do is to actually move back from a little take a step back from this world of private equity and finance 
which had been my way into the industry, but to get more involved in the actual buildings in the bricks and mortar. Um, there are lots of reasons for it. One is we had invested a lot with partners, um, development partners, operating partners, and I always felt they had a lot more fun than we did. They worked with the leisure operators, um, with gallerists, with architects and engineers and uh, creative people. And um, I that was something that I really enjoyed, um, at least watching it. And um, the other part was that um, it just felt like you are involved in something more meaningful, um, something tangible in the process. So I set up W Real Estate with a very clear focus um, on commercial real estate and London. The reasons were simple that I thought as a developer, as an operating partner to private equity, I need to have great expertise in one sector rather than trying to do everything everywhere. At Stenham, in a private equity environment, we were looking for the next best thing and to invest into that, but flows of capital can happen very quickly. But um, as an operator, I think there's real value in being exceptionally good at one thing and attracting the capital that is looking to invest into that one thing. And London London Commercial was an area that I probably knew most about from all the sectors that we had invested in. And it was one that I thought was um, an exciting place to be. I just interrupt, Sasha. There was something that uh, you said earlier that, that really intrigues me, and it was about getting itchy feet and having you know, a long-term ambition to to set something up on your, on your own yes and i wanted to ask you know how did that feel because to anyone listening in our audience now who thinks they've got an ambition to do something like that or thinks there is you know there is they're just not very content in what they're doing working for someone else but they're not quite sure what it is and what, how did that feel for you? Let's see if let's, I'm curious to see if anyone listening now, if, it, if, it, if that sounds familiar to them. It felt, once I'd taken the plunge, it felt very scary. Um, to get to that point, it, it, I, I felt, I, I guess, a little bit unfulfilled in what I was doing. And I was looking ahead where the business was going. And we were... A, an established business. We had a good portfolio. I was earning a good salary. But I think at the time, the ambition had sort of gone out of the business a little bit. Um, We'd gone through the ringer in the financial crisis. Um, We came out pretty well, but it wasn't anymore a business that was pushing forward, trying to build and grow and do something exciting. And so I, I you know, for many, you know, maybe again, I was a bit lucky in that it gave me the final push because I didn't really have, I had a choice to stay somewhere that wasn't that exciting or to try something new. And if it was going to be something new, it was, or for me, it was always going to be my own business to go and work for somebody else. I didn't consider even it, um, Never, never crossed my mind. I, I liked where I was working. I didn't think the other businesses that I knew were that much more exciting. So I 
don't know how else to describe it, but um, no, I think I said, um, well, let's see in the in the feedback. Let's see if that sounds familiar to the guys. The guys listening. Uh, anyway, I, in, I interrupted. Please, you know, please tell us a bit more about sort of um, how we're getting involved and sort of how how things are going now for WRE. I mean, we're about ten years old now, um, and the last ten years have been you know, again, from a learning perspective um, and from uh, a really, really uh, amazing experience. The beginning was, everybody told me when I went to set up my own business, they said, it's going to take you longer. It's going to be harder. You're going to see who your real friends are. And I intellectually accepted all of that, but I did think, no, I know exactly what I'm doing. I left Stenham with, you know, having done quite a bit of background work um, to understand how I would run my new business. Um, I had an investor who was willing to back me and um, quite with quite significant amount of money, which was the biggest element I needed. Um, and so I was I was pretty confident this is going to be just awesome. And like so often, it wasn't just awesome. It was very lonely in the beginning. For the first couple of weeks and months, it was very exciting. Everybody I knew wanted to have lunch, a coffee, find out what I'm doing, what I'm up to, who my investor is, how much money do we have to invest, etc. But then quickly, the call stopped. Um, you have to motivate yourself every day. And on some days, it's really easy on other days it's much harder my investor turned out to be a really good guy but had very different ideas about what this business that i was building um, was supposed to be so one of the big lessons i learned there is i think again communication probably was um, not as good as it could have been between the two of us and um I knew very soon that this relationship is probably not the right one for me to continue building the business. But I was now stuck having made that move, sitting in my serviced office with by then probably one colleague and um, having to take the next few steps. And perseverance was probably the biggest lesson that um, I've learned in over the next few years. It's once I decided to go this route, there was no point in going backwards. So it's all about going forwards, but it's also about understanding when you need to kind of fork out and take a maybe a tangent. And that's really what we did. We, When I say we, it was me and it was a colleague who joined, who is still working at W Real Estate today. And... Um, we saw opportunities after a couple of years. We had made some very good investments. Luckily, we had exited um, um, a couple of those. Um, so money was coming back um, and it enabled us to buy out the shares, buy out the partner, lose, of course, his um, investment firepower. Um, but by now had a business with a small but nice track record um, and a couple of um, new relationships um, with other potential investors um, and then build it from there. So the first few years were much tougher than I thought. I was pretty confident I had it all figured out, 
when I started. I had the investor, I had the money, I had youth and um, and a lot of swagger, but it's, it, it turned out not to be that straightforward. And taking step by step is really the way that we have continued building the business. I've always believed in having a kind of medium term plan. I don't know if a long term plan is how useful that is, but having a view about the next few years, but also being very aware that things tend to change and one needs to be able to um, react to it, particularly as a small business take it opportunities when they come um, and accept when maybe decisions were made that aren't the right ones um, and change um, things accordingly. So we built it up deal by deal, project by project, and today have a business that um, has transacted, I think, 20 buildings in, in London, um, a lot of them developments, most of them developments um, ranging in size from 25,000 square feet to 250,000 square feet projects um, and um, a team that has grown. And um, it's been a really gratifying experience. Um, we're not there yet and challenges are still still out there. So I'm sure if we speak in another... What will there... What will- what would there yet be? What would that look like? Um, that is an excellent question. <laughs> what will... For you, out of curiosity, for, for, not necessarily, you know, just sort of how many deals done or anything like that, but for, from your point of view, what would, it, what, would, what would that success be? I mean, I, I, I would be lying if I say, I, you know, at the end of the day, this is a business that I'm doing to... Uh, for commercial reasons. I want to do something I enjoy and I want to do something that I feel has, you know, a meaningful impact. Um, But I like this business to be in a position that it can either be bought, that it's sellable, or that it becomes a partnership and continues. I don't want, this is not a platform for me to make money with and then kind of fold it and say, okay, I'm done with it now. So I would like WRE, to get to a state where it's got a long-term future. There are many ways that I can see this happen. And this comes back to what I was saying before. I'm not fixed on one. There are quite a few that we've talked about internally that we're exploring. This is important, not just for me. I think this is important for the business as to in order to attract you know, talented other people to come and join us, that they see a future. Um, but today we're not that business yet. I think if um, if I left and maybe one or two other people who've you know really stepped up in the last few years as well, it'll be difficult to see that this business would survive. But hopefully we're not too far from taking it to that next level. Okay. In preparation for uh, for our interviews, actually, I got I got a chance to talk to a couple of different people who, who've known you quite well, and interestingly that. Um, these guys both said very, very similar things and very similar uh, things about the what they perceive as being your, what you're very good at. But there was there was one thing that I wanted to come back to, and that and that was very consistently whoever I spoke to said that Sasha is a great networker. And I th- and I think this yeah you know, this is a you know, without doubt this is one of the great skills of life, isn't it? 
So I wanted to I wanted to ask you a question on this. During your career, you've you've moved locations, you've moved jobs, you've moved sectors. So I'm, I've no doubt, and you've lent on your network. And during that time, but how do you make the most out of those relationships without pushing it too far? It's very flattering that people say that about me. Um, I, I I have to say I'm not entirely sure what the skill is. I've never tried to be a networker um, as a skill set. I really enjoy the social aspect of work. It's probably the environment I perform best in. I in whether it's live meetings or at social work kind of events. And I think it's about being authentic. It's about not trying too hard. It's about, you know, being honest. And um, in in German, you have a saying also that, you know, people always meet twice, essentially. I'm sure the saying exists in English in many different forms. Um, but you, you know, what goes around comes around. So, you know, being helpful, being kind to people it's it's all of those things that um, i believe make someone a good networker um, a lot of the really successful relationships that we were that helped build the business um, came from the most unlikely places where i didn't go to with the view of getting a deal or meeting someone um, but came through an introduction via another introduction through somebody that I met somewhere and that I had a really fun, nice conversation with, maybe about football or anything. Um, and um, yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's putting yourself out there and um, and just being, I guess, who you are. So, Sasha, I'm sorry, I've got to wrap things up now, but thank you so much for giving up your time for this. You know, you've you've told this this story sort of beautifully in terms um, for, and from all the interconnectivity around around sort of different markets, different geographies, and I think sort of lots of people will will be able to uh, to understand sort of where my research has come in in terms of sort of and explaining as to how and why you're such a great networker even if you're humble enough to say to say that's a that's not sort of something you've necessarily appreciated yourself so thank you again for doing this oh pleasure i really enjoyed it so hopefully your listeners will enjoy it um, equally <laughs>